It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. during its grand opening and joined a year later. Hallelujah. And I made some notes because when I start talking about Citadel, it, I can go a long time. So you'll thank me for reading. I couldn't choose just one story. So since it's homecoming day, I invite you to reminisce with me as I share my top five list of things I've learned at Citadel through the years. Number five. Citadel taught me to praise. I mean, where else can a middle-aged white woman join the dance team? I am so grateful for our amazing anointed music ministry. They not only teach us to sing, but to be filled with praise. This morning is a good example. Thank you for everyone through the years who's participated. Number four, Citadel taught me the way to get to know people is to serve alongside them. God brought together an amazingly diverse group of people and friendships grew as we ministered together. This church is truly my family and I love the way our family wraps its arms around everyone who walks through the door, just like Jesus. Number three, Citadel stretched my concept of being light in the darkness. Our very first activity with the church was praying in front of a drug house. I was terrified. But we had two sets of friends who lived on that street and I had to go for them. Naturally, Citadel turned out. We lined the whole block and it was amazing. We were well prepared by the time we were introduced to urban camping and midnight outreach on Woodward. Remember the tent revivals, the hip opera, nights of terror? Oh, and I met Medea at Citadel. <laughs> we are blessed to have a pastor who will do whatever it takes to get the message of God's saving grace to those within our reach. And there is never a dull moment here. <laughs> Number two, I learned walls is a figurative word at Citadel. Remember when we gave a Bible to every home in our zip code? Yep, every Sunday we wore comfy shoes and knocked on doors. Remember the summer the whole church participated in prison ministries, hospital and nursing home visits to share freedom in Christ? Remember prayer on the porch? If you do, you may remember people were so grateful and so touched that someone offered to pray for them that you couldn't wait to do it again. And the number one thing I've learned at Citadel is how to pray, really pray. Because for nearly 20 years, I've been surrounded by prayer warriors, people who know God is able We've seen miracles happen, and we've seen God sustain us when the answer was not what we wanted. We stood beside members who've experienced tragedy and loss. We have rejoiced with members who received blessings of health, and we have learned to thank God for waking us up each day. A special shout out to my brothers and sisters in the Citadel Prayer Ministry for the prayer breakfast, the work workshops, and your faithfulness in lifting up all of us each week. I hope you'll take your own walk down the Citadel memory lane today and reflect on the people and the ministries who have impacted you 
And if you're watching from home, I encourage you to come out next week and spend Christmas with your Citadel family, because we love and miss y'all. Good morning, Citadel family. <laughs> My name is Michelle Cunningham Strong, and I'm a miracle. I didn't always feel like it though. It's not until recently after learning more about my mother's story that I realized that I am. I was born to two drug addicted parents. Tragically, tragically, I lost both of them at a very young age. My mother died from a heroin overdose when I was the age of five. And my father was shot and killed when I was 12 years old. Those incidents were the beginning of a long list of losses that sent me into rebellious behavior. I became very withdrawn. I started skipping school and drinking alcohol heavily to numb the pain and loneliness I was feeling because of losing my loved ones. I ended up looking for love in all of the wrong places. So I ended up in mentally and physically abusive relationships. There I was, this lonely, depressed young woman who felt the only escape was death. So during the course of all these things happening in my life, I made several attempts to end my life. The beautiful thing in the midst of what some may call a sad story is my relationship with God. From as far back as I can remember, I was taught about him. My grandmothers on both sides of my family took me to church every Sunday. I watched them go through their own tragedies and how they handled them. Some nights I would hear my grandmother crying out to God. Some nights I would walk past her room and she would be on her knees praying. Every morning I saw her sitting in her chair reading her Bible. That's my foundation. So even in those times the enemy um, telling me that I was alone and that I wasn't worthy, I would be led back to my foundation and what was instilled in me. I was eventually led to find my own church home, and thankfully I found Citadel of Faith Covenant Church. Oh. Attending here ignited a fire in me to learn more about Jesus Christ and to build a deeper relationship with him. And building a deeper relationship with him, I not only love him, I now love myself. Finding my own church home, getting therapy, and having a group of people that I know love, love me genuinely. I've made it through. I know that I have a purpose. I now know that I, have, that I am a miracle, and so are you. The enemy knows that you are too. That's why he's fighting you so hard. But don't you fall for it. Someone needs to hear your story just like someone needed to hear mine. God gets all of the glory for the woman I am today. I can stand here now today and say that I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for my life. And sharing a piece of my story, I pray that it encourages someone to keep pressing forward, that they know God loves them and that they matter. Lean into God's word to help you discover who you are and what your purpose is. Just like I have a purpose to fulfill, so do you. Don't you give up. I'm going to close with two of my favorite um, Bible scriptures. One is 1 Peter 5 and 10. <clears throat> and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 
And the last one, Joshua 1 and 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God with, is with you wherever you go. Have a blessed day, Citadel. Can we give Jesus praise? Isn't he a good God? Come on, let's give the Lord worship that is worthy of the King. Come on, I didn't say clap for me. Can we give Jesus worship that is worthy of a King? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Sunday before Christmas all over the world, all over the world. People are doing various things, preparing and buying gifts. But Father, we know the true meaning of this momentous season and Lord God is to remember you and how you came into the world to not be a God far off to be a God with us thank you Lord for this Sunday that we have kind of called home for the holidays and thank you for our family some of them come from far away to come back just to say hello others nearby but God we thank you that whether near or far we're able to lay eyes on them and we thank you for being in health and strength. We thank you, Lord God, that things are as well as they are. Thank you for the testimonies that we've heard. If we went through every aisle and every row, there'd be some other stories here of how you've redeemed and how you've changed, how you've encouraged, how you have set free, how you have provided. And so, God, we know and have enough sense to give all praise and all glory and all honor where it belongs, not to a preacher, not to a church, but to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. We give you glory, Jesus, for the things that you have done and the things that you have yet to do. Now, Holy Spirit, would you breathe on this word that we might hear, God, what you would say to us in this moment. We'll be so careful, God, to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, give the Lord praise wherever you are. For those of you that are online, that are visiting as well, we are so grateful. Listen, as we prepare to hear the word, we're going to have another song. But this is good noise to me. This is good noise to me. Um, it's hard for me to kind of get through the moment because I'm looking at so many faces. And let me say this. You all know me well enough. Please, I pray you do. We're not here to get an offering. We're not here to get you to be a member if you've gone somewhere else and the Lord has led you to another part of the vineyard. The only reason we had home for the holidays, I just wanted to see you. You all, let me say this. Life is short. Life is short. We got to have moments where we just get to see people. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Keith. And just to see people and just say it's good to see you. And isn't it good to be alive? Come on now. Isn't it just good to be alive? Isn't it good? It's good to be alive. And, and it's so good to see so many of you. And I don't know where you may be in your journeys right now. I know sometimes life can be hard, but our prayer is that something that you hear, maybe a smile that you see and connect with, but more importantly, a word that God would give you will help maybe encourage you on the journey. As the choir just sings, one praise team sings one more song, we'll be ready for the word of God on the other side of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of our God. As we continue in finishing out this year, we have been this year around the theme and the subject of soul winning. And we talked about the fact that to win a soul doesn't just mean getting somebody to say back to you some words. I used to believe that, that that was it. That if I would go and knock on a door and say to somebody, if you die right now, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? They're like, no, I was drunk last night. I'm this lady in the house ain't my wife. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I'm like, well, you can be sure. Pray a prayer. And people would pray a prayer to ask Jesus into their life. And many of them were sincere. 
But some of them believe that that was the end. And you all, to win a soul is very complicated because a soul is comprised of how a person thinks, how they feel, and then their will and how they make decisions. So to win someone's soul, you got to win their mind over, win their will over, and then uh, their feelings over, and then hopefully help them make the right decisions. And so soul winning is a very complicated thing. And so we talked about the fact that for the first time in American history and in, in global history, we're now in a post-Christian America and world where more people, if you ask them the question, do they identify as a Christian, most people will tell you no. They'll say, I identify as spiritual. Uh, I identify as someone that believes in spiritual things, but I don't consider myself religious. Indeed, there are many people that are deconstructing their faith. Uh, there are people that say that I do believe that Jesus is Lord, but I don't believe in the church. The church's hypocrisy, the church's sins, the church's inconsistencies have me uh, more desiring relationship with God outside of church because church has let us down. And so at a time where people are kind of hesitant and against the gospel, not open to the gospel, we have a much more challenging task to tell people about God. And so you all, this year we said, let's learn to listen to people who are maybe voices that we're not that comfortable listening to. Most of us travel with the same kind of crew, people that think like us, listen to the music we listen to, eat the kind of food we listen to, eat, and we don't often listen or engage with people that are so different. And so we listen to voices of people that are not maybe the people that we'd hang out with and just heard their perspectives on the church, heard their perspectives on God, not to change these people, not to fix these people, but to listen to them. Because indeed, you all, if we're going to be a community of faith or Christians that reach the world for Jesus, which is our calling, we've got to know the people that we're trying to reach. Amen? And so, you all, we uh, kind of ended out this year and kind of turning the corner during this Christmas season to look at the familiar story of the birth of Jesus, but looking at it through maybe the lens of a soul winner. Looking at the story of the arrival of Jesus into the world through Mary as, uh, as, as one who came into the world in a very unexpected and different way. We said it's a, it's a very strange way that God chose to save the world. And so God chooses sometimes to listen, to move in ways that we don't always plan. The Bible says that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And our ways are not his ways. As high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how high God's uh, ways are from the way that we would do things. And so, you all, when Jesus came to the world, he did not come to the world as a prince. Uh, you all have been watching Prince uh, Harry and Meghan's uh, Netflix series. Uh, he didn't come born in a palace. He didn't come born with privilege. Indeed, he came into the world uh, in an environment of suffering. And so, you all, we learn even from his birth about some things that he would want us to know about the journey and about uh, what it means to reach those that are far from him. So I want to talk today about the journey home. And I just want to lift up one verse. It's found in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2. So those that are taking notes or, or, or you're writing things down, Luke chapter 2, verse 4, just one verse I want to look at. Luke 2 and 4 says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. I want to talk about the subject from this subject, the journey home, the journey home. As I said earlier, y'all, the whole reason for the invitation today was just to see you. And for some of you all, it costs a lot for you to just even come to be with us today. Some people don't know what it costs people to do things. Some people don't look like what it took to get there. Uh, look at the person next to you, just how they look. At, you don't know what it took for them to even look the way that they look, for them to get that hair looking the way it's looking. You don't know the trials and the tribulations they had to do to have uh, Max Factor and Maybelline uh, help them along the way. And by the way, I just want to say I'm grateful for Maybelline and mascara. Uh, I am. I'm not against it. Uh, some people need an extra uh, dose of anointing uh, to make it... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you all, we don't know the, the emotional toll it takes for people to just show up. 
We don't know the cost it takes to press to just be in the presence of God. But you all, we can read the Bible story about the birth of Jesus and miss so much because the Bible is pregnant with so much inside of it. And so when it says that Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David, uh, we just say, oh, okay, Joseph left his house and went on to Bethlehem. We have no idea what it took to get to Bethlehem. And I just want to talk about what happens when the journey home is difficult. So three things I want to talk about. Uh, how God will use God-ordained circumstances. Number two, how you will traverse difficult terrain. And you'll be delivered amidst adversity. So, so how God will use circumstances to lead and push you out of your comfort zone to your purpose. And then on the way to your purpose, how you must traverse the terrain to get there. And when you arrive at the place of promise, don't think that you're going to deliver the promise without any adversity. But there's going to be deliverance through adversity. So you all, uh, Caesar Augustus gave a decree that everybody was to be uh, counted. There was to be a census. And the census had to take place in the hometown uh, where you came from or your family came from. And the purpose of this was they wanted to get a number of how many people were in the Roman uh, uh, government or the Roman uh, country so that they could be able in the Roman Empire to do taxes. And so David's uh, town of Bethlehem is the town by which Joseph came from. So when it came time for the census to be done, Joseph was required uh, by law now to go to his hometown uh, to be counted. Now you all, um, <laughs> uh, this is not an accident, watch this now, that the decree for everybody to go home happened when Mary was now about to give birth. You know why? Because I need to turn to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. Some of us don't think that God knows things before they happen, but God plans things before they happen. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 in the message. Micah, Micah. Some of y'all don't know where Micah is, but that's all right. Y'all ought to be grateful for, uh, for these little apps that y'all can push stuff and push stuff. Because if y'all had to turn in a book... Y'all will be all over in Genesis looking for Micah. That's all right. Um, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 in the message says this. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. We talked about that last time. Meanwhile, Israel will be in foster homes until the birth pangs are over and the child is born. And the scattered brothers come back home to the family of Israel. He will stand tall in his shepherd rule by God's strength, centered in the majesty of God revealed. And the people will have a good and safe home for the whole world will hold him in respect peacemaker of the world. So the prophet Micah, long before uh, Jesus was born, long before the, uh, the, the Gabriel announced to Mary that she would conceive, long before the shepherds were notified that there was a child born, long before any of that happened, the prophet had prophesied that the Savior of the world would be born, but he would not be born just in any place. He would indeed be born in Bethlehem. Now watch this now. The prophet said the Savior has to be born in Bethlehem. The angel came to Gabriel and said, Gabriel, you get to Mary, you about to have a child. But, but she was not in Bethlehem. So how could God get Jesus in Mary to Bethlehem. He had to touch the government to make a decree so that they had to go and be there when the baby was delivered. What God will do you all is God will use circumstances and situations that you're not aware of to direct your life into his purpose. Some of y'all have no idea that God will shut a door because he wants you to go in another direction. He, listen y'all, some of y'all are so upset that the things that you've desired and the things that you've longed for and sometimes 
sometimes the things that you prayed for, God has not answered it. But the thing is, God knows your future better than you know your past. And God says, I'm not going to lead you in a direction that doesn't have anything to do with your destiny. So sometimes you'll walk alone. Sometimes you'll feel rejected. Sometimes you'll seem shunned. But God says, no, 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 no. I need him to be born in Bethlehem. So I'm going to make a decree while she's almost ready to deliver so that she ends up in the place of the biblical prophetic proclamation that he will be born in Bethlehem. You are not where you are by accident. Listen, your steps are ordered by God. The Bible says that those of us that are Christian, our steps have been ordered by God. I don't know about you, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Listen, you all, when you, get, when you get rejected by somebody, that doesn't feel like God ordering your steps. When you get terminated from your job or you, or you end up not, you, you don't feel like that's being ordered in the steps. When people turn their back on you, you don't always feel like that is God ordering your steps. But I came to let you know that God is orchestrating circumstances in your life and in my life as well so that his purposes will prevail in your life. It may not feel good right now, but you got to get to Bethlehem. So you all, uh, how do you get to Bethlehem? What, 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 where is Bethlehem and how do you get there? Can you put that map up uh, if you have it uh, to put up that, the first map of the, 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 yeah. So you all, this is the route that it took to get to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And you all, let me just say this. This was a long journey. It was about 90 miles to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem and notice what it said he said and now they have to go up from Nazareth to Bethlehem because the way to get where they were was in a basin and to get there they had to actually climb up out of the basin go along a river uh, the Jordan River and the desert to get to Bethlehem and you all, many people, uh, give me the picture of the donkey, if you had a donkey picture uh, there. Many people believe that this is how Mary arrived. You know, all the little Christmas cards have Mary uh, on the donkey, and it has Joseph holding the staff, walking with her. How many of y'all have seen that picture before? It ain't in the Bible. Ain't nowhere in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible. There is no biblical reference that says that Mary ever was on a donkey. I'm not saying she wasn't on one, but there wasn't a biblical account that she was on one. But listen, let's just say uh, for the sake of, 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 of so, come on, God, look out for Mary now. I know you, you know, she already a virgin. She's a teenager. Don't have homegirl walking for 90 miles without some kind of transportation. Let's just say she was on a donkey. How many of you know you in your ride and you upset in your car when you hit a pothole? Listen, when you hit, come on, if anybody in the city of Detroit and you hit a pothole, how many of y'all know you're feeling some kind of way? Well, imagine riding on a donkey and hitting every single obstacle, every rock and every difficult pathway. You all, uh, God ordained the circumstance of Joseph and Mary's life to get them to the place where their destiny would happen. And let me just say this to those that are listening. Hear this point. What is God doing? What has he done to lead you in a path that you did not expect because the path that he's leading you to is where he's going to birth something through you? What is it that God has navigated? Let me say to everybody that's here, you're here because at some point you passed by the way of Citadel. Let me tell you, that was not a wasted path. You know why? Because one of the things you will know about this ministry and about our heart is that we have a heart for people that don't know God. And you know what's so sad? Most people don't have a heart for people that don't know God. Watch this now. I'm going to talk to you. Keep looking at me. And don't nobody know it's you. You don't even have a heart for people that don't know God. Let me tell you why. Because you're going to go home to your family who are going to hell and not say nothing to them about God. Christmas, you're going to be with your family, and you know your uncle is lost. You know your sister's lost. You know your brother's lost. You know that they don't have a relationship with God, and then you're going to end up, God forbid, God forbid, 
They pass away and then some lying preacher going to say they're in a better place. You all, here's the question. Let's not blame the world for not being soul winners when we can't even be burdened by our own family. I'm not saying that you got to always open the Bible and start thumping it. But sometimes it's just living a life, right? Sometimes when it's time to eat, you say, hold on, y'all, I just want to pray. And if they reject it, there's no problem, but you pray. Listen, all I'm saying is this. Wouldn't it be awesome if you realize that God has navigated your life in the face of people that are far from God? Do you know why you're at the job you're at with all those crazy people? You are so concerned about your comfort that you've not thought about your calling. You're so concerned about your well-being that you don't realize your assignment. And you've been placed in an environment that is hostile and against you and sometimes against God. But you're not there by accident because God has you on treacherous terrain to get you to where you're supposed to be. And listen, if you miss it, if you miss it, you'll, you'll say, I don't want to go no further because the journey is too treacherous. Yeah. Yesterday... Uh, I had an uh, opportunity to celebrate 34 years of marriage, 34, 34 years. Notice where that, that statement came out of, treacherous. <laughs> Some of y'all really believe, oh, 34 years, praise God, oh, <laughs> Pastor Carrie, Sister Nancy. Any of y'all ever met me and her and the polar opposites in which we are? Ain't treacherous, yeah. Listen, you all, let me just say this. You all hear me, hear me well. Please hear me. Sometimes, sometimes, and not every situation is the same. And listen, please don't let the enemy use this moment to make condemnation come. That's not the intent. Hear this, though. Sometimes, sometimes the road is treacherous on purpose. To find out whether or not we're willing to say, God, I know what you promised. I know what you told me and nothing that I'm looking at looks like the promise that you told me. All I see is rocks and mountains and deserts and cold and rain. All I see is nothing but wilderness. I don't see no Bethlehem. I don't see no promise. All I see is a path. And the path is filled with treachery. Will I abandon my treachery on my way to the promise? We want an Easter without a Good Friday. We want a Resurrection Sunday without a death. We want to experience the glory of God and the power of his resurrection and not be in the fellowship of his sufferings. The pathway to get home to Bethlehem was filled with unbelievable obstacles listen to it Nazareth was situated in a bowl within its hills called the Nazareth range uh, the city sits a thousand one hundred and thirty eight feet above sea level embarking on their journey Mary and Joseph had to traverse the long descent from the hills down to the rolling flatlands of the Jordan Valley listen the deepest valley on planet Earth. The Jordan River Valley is the deepest valley on the whole planet. And God led them from Nazareth to the valley. Because you can't get back up to the mountain unless you travel through a valley. That's why I'm so grateful for the word of God that says, Yea, though I walk not to it, but yea, though I walk through the valley. Some of y'all are in the valley and wondering why would God love me and place me in a valley? Because the valley is the path to Bethlehem. How many of y'all are in a valley? How many of y'all are in a valley? I'm talking about you dug low right now. When you're in a valley, you can't go no lower than that. I love T.D. Jakes. He said this. He said, I like Jakes. He said, while I'm in the valley... When you're down low, there's nowhere else to go. You're down so low, you can't do nothing. You're down, everybody's looking down at you. Everything's down, everyone. 
And then he said, the only thing you can do when you're down is go up. And let me just say to somebody whose life is down right now, that everything seems to be out of control and everything seems to be at its lowest point. Listen, God has you on this path for a purpose. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. But part of the journey is that we must suffer in order to reign. We must go through a good Friday to have a resurrection Sunday. Don't you dare despise the day of small beginnings. Push through the valley. So you all, they had the terrain, this valley. At its highest point, the Jordan River Valley is 696 feet below sea level at its lowest point. On both sides, to the east and the west, the valley is bordered by high, steep encampments with elevations that surround them up to 3,900 feet high. One of the most terrifying things on the way there in the Jordan River Valley in particular, were lions and bears and, and other kinds of wild boars. Archaeologists have found documents warning travelers, do not travel this route. So the route that Mary and Joseph took by themselves, archaeologists found documents and different things along that path that said, do not travel this because there are animals that are out there to kill you in the valley. You know what happens when you're in the valley? Not only is the terrain difficult by itself, but you meet the animals that hang out in the valley. When you're in the valley, it's not just the elements around you that are opposing you, but the creatures that have been designed to dwell in the valley. And some of y'all will be connected to valley people and think that valley people are your people. You better hear me now. When you go through the difficulties of life, you'll find yourself in valleys and there are there are, there are animals that are coming after you in the valley. But you know what? Even though they had lions and bears and boars and other animals that were contrary to what uh, they needed to get to the, to, the, to the finish line, guess what happened? They still made it. And I don't know about you, but you come across some lions and you made it. You came through some bears and you made it. Listen, y'all, some of y'all have forgotten what you came through. And some of y'all are so consumed by what's in front of you and what you don't have that you have forgotten the lion that you did defeat. You remember when Goliath came before David? David said, oh, I'm not scared of him. And they said, why aren't you scared? He said, because you know what? I saw what God did through me with a lion and a bear. And if God can do that with a lion and a bear, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the Lord? Go back in your mind and remind yourself you were broke before. You act like this is new broke. You act like you ain't been broke before, like this is something new. You ain't had no Christmas money before. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any friends and no one's calling me. You made it through the last season of rejection. And you will make it again. I need you to go back in your mind right now. Do it right now. And just look back, look, look back and think about what is, I'm talking about a, a short enough miracle that God did for you. Think about it. Was it the car accident? Was it the cancer diagnosis? Was it the, the, uh, was it the unemployment for three years and you still had everything you wanted? I need you to go back in your mind right now and think about what God did. And when you think about it, just for a second, would you give him thanks for bringing you through it? Think about it. Then think about it. Think about it. Then think about it. Come on, don't pray up. Think about it and then give him glory about it. How you respond. How you respond to what God did in the past will give you courage for what he'll do in the future. How you recognize how he showed up before will give you encouragement for how you know he will show up again. Come on, somebody. Can you give him praise for what you know he's able to do? Oh, yeah, I'm almost done. I'm not going to be long. <coughs> mm -hmm. The time frame that it took, I'm almost done. The time frame it took to get from where they were from Nazareth to Bethlehem, they say it was between four days and a week. 
they would have had to supply their own provisions, you all, their own nourishment. They often put them in wineskins that had water, but also they would carry a lot of bread. Breakfast would be dried bread. Lunch would be oil with dried bread and herbs with oil and bread in the evening. So bread for breakfast, a different kind of little bread for lunch, and bread with a little extra something in the evening. How many of y'all know how you can take a meal and make that meal last for several days? And folk don't understand how you are making all kind of bread seem like it is a five-course situation. They were sustained by these provisions. The, the, the temperature, you all, listen, listen now, in the daytime, during the time they travel, was 30 degrees in the daytime. And it rained during that season. The, at night, it would be freezing. And so, you all, they had to wear these huge garments that would protect them from the rain in addition to the garments that they would often wear underneath. And, and, and the garment to protect them from the rain and the elements would be so heavy that not only were they carrying the weight of the moment that they were in, but they were now carrying another garment to protect them from the elements. Can you imagine a pregnant woman carrying a huge garment on her, carrying this great child within her, riding through the terrain, concerned about the wild animals on a diet of bread. But not only that, you all, um, it wasn't just the animals. It wasn't just the temperature. It wasn't just the terrain. It was also robbers. This was the main pathway, the main highway of sorts. And so bandits and pirates and robbers would station themselves along those routes for the purpose of attacking those traveling to these nearby cities. You all, we read the story about the traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and it just seems so cute, the little, you know, just walking. It seemed like it's just in the daytime, just the sun is out. And... No, no, no. On the way to the promise, there was treachery. On the way to the promise, there were valleys. On the way to the promise, there was provisions that were few. On the way to the promise, there was the threat of being attacked. On the way to the promise, there was probably the feeling of, it's too much. I don't have what it takes, and I'm tired. Let me just say to the person that is listening now who knows what God promised you, but you're in between the promise and the place that you're at. You're not there by accident. But God wants you to know that if God gave you a promise, you'll get through the valley. Listen, you all, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm looking at faces and, and I know some struggles. I know some health struggles. I know some family struggles. I know some emotional depression. I know some addiction struggles that have happened. I know financial challenges that are here. I know grief and loss. It's Christmas time, and there are people that I'm looking at. This is your first, second Christmas without your loved one. There are people that are no longer together that were. And your question is, God, I know what you promised me, but why is the road so treacherous to get there? And I just got a question for you. What makes your life any better than Mary's? What makes your life and my life any better than our Lord Jesus's? And if the Savior of the world could suffer and die, if Mary who would bring Jesus into the world brought him in on the pathway to suffering, what makes you and I think that we're exempt from suffering? I want to encourage you that the valley is not the final destination. Because guess what? They made it to Bethlehem. It took a long time to get there. I'm finishing it out. It took a long time to get there. They had a lot of treachery along the way. But get, finally, you all, they made it. 
And so as they arrive towards Bethlehem, you all, they now have to ascend and come up to uh, where it is. Because again, the valley of the Jordan River Valley and the Desert Valley is so low. They've got to now, so they've got to come from where they are, go down, and then go back up to get to Bethlehem. And as they arrive at Bethlehem, you all, they finally get there. And can you imagine uh, when they get to Bethlehem, they're ready to check in the hotel. <coughs> How many of y'all have ever traveled and, uh, and you got to the hotel and stuff was not right? Listen, y'all, I'm one of them people that call. I travel a lot. I call ahead and I get all my ducks in a row. I'm like, do you have my reservation? Do you have, is there anything else that's required? I mean, I do all that stuff because I travel. I, I do, and the worst thing for me is after I've called and talked with Shaquanda, because I write that name down, Shaquanda. And I talk with Shaquanda, and Shaquanda has told me that all things are in order. And when I get there, they say, we don't have a reservation for you. Uh, how many of y'all that has ever happened to you? Uh, you all, can you imagine uh, as they arrive at Bethlehem having this woman now about to, listen, if she wasn't about to have a baby before, after 90 miles, <laughs> you know, woo, you know, all of that, she ready to deliver. And she gets to the place to deliver the baby, and there's no room. What happens when you finally arrive at the promised place? God, I know I came through the valley, and I made it to the promise. And now that I'm at the promise, they ain't got no room. Because that's how the, listen, that's how the story's supposed to end. As a hooper, you're supposed to hoop that thing out. Mm, you made it through the Jordan, and you made it to Bethlehem. And when you get to Bethlehem, you're at the place of birth. You're at the place of the miracle. And when you get there, there's room. No, there's no room. You know what, you know, you know what God does? God interrupts your plans. Because when it's your plan, you will get the glory. When it's your plan and when it's your strategy, you will get the credit. God says, when I want to deliver something through, the, through you, I'm going to deliver it through you. Watch this. In spite of you and in spite of the circumstance. It, listen, I don't even need a man to bring a child because I'm God that kind of way. I can overshadow a woman who's never been with the man and she can conceive even though conception is impossible that way. I can choose to overshadow the normal processes for things to manifest by blessing you in an unconventional way that does not make sense to man. You, let me see, you better hear this. I can have a virgin conceive because I'm God. And I can have you manifest without human interaction because I'm God. Stop waiting for a man to bless you to manifest your stuff. Stop waiting for a job. Stop waiting for a, 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 a company. Stop waiting for people to be the conduit for the miracle to come. God says, I'm doing a new thing. And if I can have a virgin conceive and bring forth, then I can cause your virgin life. They get to Bethlehem and there's no room for them. And so they got to once again deliver this baby in adversity. Let me read the last text here in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Look at it if you don't mind. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 in the NIV. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Even though there was no room, it was no excuse for the miracle to still not happen. Even though they were shut out of the opportunity for a place that was comfortable, God says, I'm not going to let nothing, including a closed door, stop the manifestation of my child. So I'm going to look for what is the next best thing to where I can bring this thing forth. I will find a manger. I will find a stable. And I will bring the promise of God through a stable, through a 
barn where some animals are. Some of y'all think that your blessings are going to come from a palace. Some of y'all think that your blessings are going to come from a place of prominence. Some of y'all think that your blessings are going to come in the pathway of your peers and other people. But you better know one thing. Your life has never been traditional. Your life has never been one linear path. God always came up that way and met you around that way. And if you don't think that the thing that God has promised you is going to come to pass just because you don't see the circumstance fitting how you think it's going to happen, I came to encourage you on this Sunday before Christmas that Jesus didn't come in a conventional way. And if Jesus didn't come in a conventional way, he's not going to show up through you in a conventional way. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know God is at work? Oh, come on, sir. How many of y'all know God is at work? And I need you to be encouraged. I don't know what's going on. The devil knows he can't get you, so he wants you to get you. He's tried to kill you. He's tried to overwhelm you. He's tried to use stuff, but none of them weapons could prosper against you. So guess what he's doing? He's trying to make you your worst enemy. And so right now, I'm done. On this Sunday before Christmas, where is your Bethlehem? And what is your Nazareth that God is calling you out of? What circumstance has God created to make you move? To make you move. To make you move. Some of y'all, it's somebody telling you what you can't do. That makes you move. You say, I can't do what now? Oh, no, 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 you, no, no, I heard what you said. You said I could not do. Oh, you don't know who you're talking to then. All right, I got it. I got it. You don't think I do it? Watch this. Some of y'all, that's the circumstance. Some of y'all is somebody walking out on you that thought that you, they were the reason that you exist. That, that it, what, how are you going to make it without me? I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that got you. They're controlling you with a spirit of witchcraft. And here it is. Now you done walked away from them and the devil said, how are you going to make it? I came to tell you the same way that Mary was able to deliver Jesus in the midst of adversity, you are going to make it even though the person that thought that they control you is no longer in the picture. It's time for you to get to your destiny. So on this Sunday before Christmas, I pray that you see the story of Mary and Joseph and their arrival into Bethlehem from the treacherous journey from Nazareth a different way. Don't just read the Bible and say, oh, they left up from Nazareth and went to Bethlehem. No, that took something. And don't you look at other people and don't think it took something. Don't you think it didn't cost them something? And unless you're willing to pay the price of the cold nights and the rainy days and the heavy burden and the pregnancy that is not yet birthing and the uncomfortable process and the fear of treachery and danger at every turn, Unless you're willing to go through that, you're not going to see the manifestation of the miracle. But in Jesus' name, you've been built for this. Can, can, can I, I, I'm, I'm so done. Y'all that's been here know that I have three closes. It's my last one. And some things just don't change. <laughs> you wonder why you've been through so much? Can I tell you why? Because you had to learn how to lift. Y'all heard me talk about me going to the gym. I ain't been for a minute. That's all right. Don't worry about me. Don't, don't judge me. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right. January 1st. Here it is, though. Got an athletic club membership. Detroit Athletic Club, y'all. I'm talking about that's a real club now. I mean, you pay money. Listen, you pay big money to go work out at that club. So I said, I got to have an outfit that is appropriate for the Detroit Athletic Club. <laughs> you know me, right? So I got my little shoes to match my, my sweats. Got a sweat band. Yeah, I took it back. 
And yeah, I took it all the way back. Olivia New John, homage. Let's get physical. I, I took, so here I am. I'm at the, I'm at the, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the truth. I'm in the, I'm in the workout place. I got on the weight bench. I was so happy because I was, man, I was going to town. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, I, mean, I was just having my music on. You know, Kirk Franklin, yeah, bam, just getting at it. And I, I heard a tap on the shoulder. I said, excuse me, but I'm working out. He said, I know, I know, I know. He said, I just want to tell you something. I said, okay, okay. <sighs> put it down. He said, you know, you have to put weight on, those, on, that, on that bar. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I was like, bam. He said, you, you, those things on the side, that goes on that bar. You are lifting the bar with no weight on it. And the more weight I added, the harder it was to push. But I learned that the more I learned to push the weight, the more reps I could do. Because what was difficult the first few times, my muscle memory began to increase and, and my strength began to increase. And what was hard the first few rounds became easier down the road. And I know some of y'all are wondering, why am I under the pressure that I'm under? Why is the weight so heavy on me? God has put the kind of weight on you based on the calling on you for what you got to lift, for what you got to push, for what you got to go through. It requires the weight that you've been through and so for some of y'all guess what been there done that got the keychain next the devil coming at you you're like no i've been through that i know what it's like to not have a job i know what it's like not to have friends i know what it's like to have cancer i know what it's i've been through that and bring it on if i can go through that i can go through this too come on somebody give god praise god Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this world, not in, the, not in the way that others would have thought you'd come. But not only did you come in unconventional ways, but you even had those who brought you here travel through treacherous ways to bring you here. Help us, Lord God, as Christians on this Sunday before Christmas. To realize, God, that life is not always intended to be easy. Life is not always intended to be without stress. Life is not always intended to be without adversity. But God, there's one thing you promised. In this world, we will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, for you have overcome the world. Thank you that you told us that, yeah, it's gonna be tough, but don't let the toughness define your attitude. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world and the overcoming that I have that's in you will let you be able to overcome situations and circumstances that you normally would not be able. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the person who is overwhelmed, would you strengthen? For the heart that is heavy, God, would you encourage? For the person who's on a path that they don't understand, let them not be weary in it. Let them know, God, that yea, though they walk through the valley they're not going to stay in the valley and father we thank that even when we arrive at the promise sometimes even arriving at the promise doesn't have us manifest the miracle in the way that we intended help us lord god to not be so consumed with how we want it to happen that we miss it happening <laughs> we honor you and we bless you as heads about and eyes are closed maybe you're here right now and online as well and you are not sure if you've ever encountered Jesus in a way that you surrendered yourself to him. What does it mean? It means that you realize you're not in charge of you. That there's someone greater than you. That there's a, there's a God that has a purpose and plan and may not know all about him, but you know you're not God. And you say, you know, I want to surrender to him. Well, how do I do that? The Bible tells us that God has a son. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came for this purpose. He came that the sins that you and I both have, that those sins would be washed away. You know why God said to the shepherds, go and tell, go and see the Christ child that's going to be in the manger? You know why he told them that? Because guess what? He's, gonna, he's the Lamb of God. Shepherds were used to seeing lambs, and now they're getting ready to see the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God has come to take away your sin. My brother... My sister, whatever you've done, whatever you will do, 
is not greater than Jesus' power to forgive you. So if you're listening right now, both online or in person, and if you have never said, Jesus, I surrender to you, would you do that now? One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that simply spells c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time